Attention listeners, do you ever find yourself struggling to decide what to watch on a Saturday night when you're in the mood for horror? Or perhaps you're trying to round out your own horror film education. In either case, I'm sure you'll be able to make some great discoveries in my 10x10 Horror Watch List, featuring a breakdown of the 10 favorite horror movies from 10 renowned horror directors. We did a deep dive of the favorite horror movies from directors including Guillermo del Toro, Ari Aster, Jordan Peele, Quentin Tarantino, James Gunn, Rob Zombie, Martin Scorsese, and many, many more. Here you'll find a collection of each director's favorite horror movies, along with quotes about what they appreciated about the films, all in an easy-to-reference PDF that you can download absolutely free. Featuring a mix of well-worn classics and deep cuts, hopefully you'll discover some overlooked gems and look at old classics through new lenses. Download the 10x10 Horror Watch List for free by visiting nicktaylor.com slash horror guide. That's nicktaylor.com slash horror guide. Welcome back to the Nick Taylor Horror Show. Ryan Kruger is a South African writer and director who burst onto the scene last year with his feature debut, Fried Berry. Fried Berry is completely bonkers in the most wonderful ways. It's about a drug-addled man in Johannesburg who gets abducted by aliens. The aliens then take full control of his body, and we watch as the title character Barry goes through one of the most insane, drug-fueled, and blood-soaked adventures ever committed to cinema. It's a blast and was featured on the last drive-in with Joe Bob Briggs, which is unarguably the best way to watch it. This movie is definitely one of the most original to come out of horror in recent years, which was why I was so excited to get to speak to Ryan. He has a lot to say on the topic of originality, true indie filmmaking, and how to market your projects. Without further ado, here is Fried Berry director Ryan Kruger. Ryan Kruger, good to see you, man. How's it going? Cool, man. Good in yourself. I'm pretty good. Doing really good. Um, so... Of the many things I really enjoyed about Fried Berry, it felt like kind of a modern Hennenlotter movie to me. You had the drug element, but you also had the super surreal element. I'm a huge fan of his old work. Um, I'm wondering if any of him is, you know, in your subconscious somewhere. Was that a conscious sort of, you know, not homage, but um, I just, it felt like mo- like very modern Hennenlotter. Was he an influence of yours? Uh, no, not at all. I mean, um my, my biggest, yeah, my biggest love for uh, movies uh, definitely comes from uh, the '80s, and um, yeah, it's a big, big piece of my of my childhood. Uh, you know, just watching. It doesn't matter what genre it is, but like for me, like '80s is always like the best. You can't, yeah. you can't beat the '80s. Yeah. Do you have any favorite horror movies from that time period? Like any favorite deep cuts that not as many people are familiar with? Um. I'm just a I'm a fan of uh, Cronenberg, a fan of uh, John Carpenter. Um, yeah, films like Christine or like The Fly. Yeah, they're, uh, you know they're they're just great movies that you can watch like again and again. And uh, or like Big Trouble or China. They just don't like just they just don't make movies like that anymore. Yeah, you know? I know it's, it's a shame. It's, yeah, it's it's 
Yeah. No, there was a spirit and energy to that time period that was just magical. I don't know exactly what it was. I mean, I think America was becoming more optimistic coming out of the 70s. Um, yeah. But you you throw a lot of cheesy music in there, so you have that optimism with that with with yeah. like heavy synth soundtracks, and I don't know, it's just a sort of a magical combination. But yeah. um, but yeah, as far as Fried Berry, I mean, I watched it on Shutter with Joe Bob, which I feel like is the way to watch it. One of the things that he remarked on was that when you were putting shorts out on the festival circuit, you were like really really good at marketing your shorts and getting people to watch them. Could you talk about that and you know that time period and any strategies for for self promotion? Because I feel like it's where a lot of filmmakers fall short. Yeah, I mean. I've always loved, uh, I've always enjoyed and loved uh, marketing. Hmm. And, you know, it's like musicians or filmmakers, they don't understand how, you know, how how important it is. Yeah. That Because at the end of the day, when you make a film or you make an album or something like that, so much time and energy goes into that thing. And there's so many people that don't do any marketing or anything or PR and then they just put it out. And then right. sometimes they wonder why people aren't watching it or listening to it. And, and it's, it's, it's such a, such a powerful thing. So no matter what you've got, you've, you've got a, like with Fry Barry, um, the whole lead up before it came out and ju- even during the making, I was thinking of, uh, and I was also lucky because the type of film that Fry Barry is, it's just a crazy wacky movie and there's, there's no rules. And because of the character, it was infinite ways that I could promote this movie with this character. So, so the amount of marketing that we did, uh, you know, shooting these like little short clips and stuff like that, just to, uh, you know, like stupid, like product placement of, um, you know, like Fry Barry condoms or just, just all, it was just like all these different angles, Yeah. but you know, and, and things that, that were trending at the time and put Barry in the scenario and stuff. And, and it was like building that whole thing. So what, what I did was uh, I released the shorts. So I released the short, obviously long, uh, long before the feature came out. Um, and then, so audience got to watch that. And then I started doing the marketing and it was just looking at every single angle, how you could put this character in the media. So people go, oh, I saw that short film or I've heard that they're making the feature. So by the time, you know, the feature was hitting the the festival run, people already knew a lot of people on all the different horror platforms, you know, had, had either seen the short or saw all this random funny marketing that we did. And we're following that journey. So when the uh, when the feature came out and we're advertising the feature, there were so many people that said, "Oh, I remember the marketing for this. I remember the short. Ah, oh, I've been dying to watch this." So yeah, and it was it was literally, you know, covering your bases. Whether it's you know it's YouTube and Instagram and yeah. Facebook and Twitter, and then it's my personal. Um, Twitter and then the Fry Barry Twitter and then the Fry Barry Instagram, the fry, my my um, profile. And it was like on all those platforms and wow. it was just gaining, you know, posting these things out constantly and going to all the different like horror platforms or tagging different horror platforms. So people 
could, you know, uh, would know about it. So you were marketing um, on all cylinders here. Did you have support yeah. or were you doing this all yourself? Well, that was the thing. It was literally just me and my producer just doing it. And a lot of the time it was just me, like literally not, not even exaggerating, exaggerating. It was literally like nearly two years of just constant wow. every single day of, uh, of promoting it and, yeah. and filming these little inserts that we could do. And it was, it was, it was from every angle. It was like fucking cat videos. We put Barry in there <laughs> and then we put that out or whatever. It was, it was literally everything. What was trending at the time. If somebody would, was doing this random, um, I don't know what, what do you call it? Um, on TikTok and all of whatever the fuck it is. And mm -hmm. just do all, all these like random little things, but we do it with Barry and then we post it out and yeah. And then, you know, you've got to think of every single angle to put out there. But like I said, it worked because it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a lot of hard work by doing it. And, um, but it definitely paid off. Uh, soon as soon as I heard everybody going, oh, I've been waiting for this film. I've heard about this film for ages now. And I knew on those platforms, that was all the same platforms mm -hmm. that I was posting on. So it's, it's, yeah, it was a lot of hard work, but it definitely, it definitely paid off. And the more people, it's like speaking to you and speaking to all these other like podcasts and stuff that I've done, you know, everybody has their own audience. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, somebody on the other side of the world has these different followers that listen to their podcast. So it doesn't matter how big or how small the podcast is as well, because it's literally you want to gain every single audience as what you possibly can. And I've done like <laughs> I've done like over 100, you know, uh, interviews and stuff like that, just promoting the movie. But it, when you're making an independent movie, every single thing counts. Yeah, you know, every single thing. If you know, even if you get twenty other people to know about your film, that's twenty other people that actually know about it. Right. That's seen the trailer now. That wants to watch it or seen the short. Right. So yeah, it's 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 don't ever yeah don't ever underestimate like marketing because if you've got a certain product, you can you can do so much with it and you can just get creative. You know, mm -hmm. if you're creative enough to to think of a story and to make a movie, then you got to think outside the box and and see what else you can, uh, you know, pull out of the hat. Yeah, I feel like it's so important. And I mean, the other thing, from a marketing perspective, Fried Berry has a very high Rotten Tomatoes score, like a really good one. And clearly the movie earned it on its own merits. However, horror typically doesn't always do well on Rotten Tomatoes. So I'm wondering, and obviously, you know, it's, it's horror, but sci-fi, and it's very much its own thing. But typically it's not the kind of movie, regardless of how good it is, that most Rotten Tomatoes... Um, critics would be in favor of. And it's very unfortunate that I say that, but I've talked to other filmmakers who specifically have a Rotten Tomatoes strategy, and I'm wondering if you had one at all. Well, uh, to, to be honest, I, I, I'm i one of those people, I don't really, I don't like Rotten Tomatoes or anything, just Good for you know, you. when I'm watching a film. My, 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 like my producer does, um, so it it was like a major. Obviously, if it's good, it's good. I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, okay, it's cool. But my, you know, my producer said, dude, this is like, it's really good that the films, you know, been getting this. And and again, it, you know, it comes to the the marketing or people talking about the film and going, oh, you need to check out this. And you know, Fr Fried Barry is one of those films, and it was designed this way that I know I know that it's not for everybody. Yep. And I know that you either love it 
or you hate it. You either get it or you don't. And that's okay. And the people that don't like it, it really doesn't bother me in the slightest. It's designed in that in that in that in such a way that no matter what happens, if you love it or hate it, you will speak about it. Mm-hmm. And again, that's to do with marketing as well. Oh, yeah. So the thing is, it's just like I always say, like, how many films do we watch? Like get 10 minutes in and go, oh, this is fucking shit. I'm gonna turn it off. Or you watch the or or you watch the whole film and go, fucking I'll never watch that again. And you don't even tell anybody about it. Because yeah. it's not worth a conversation. So for somebody to watch this film, it is impossible for them not to talk about this film. Even yeah. if they hate it and they've got this passion for hate for it, they'll go, Oh, and this fucking happened, and this fucking <laughs> happened, and then this happened, and there's no fucking story, or da 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 or, or whatever. They're talking about it. And then yeah. somebody's listening to that going, that sounds fucking good. I want, I want, I want to fucking watch that movie. <laughs> as long as they're talking you know? about it. Yeah, and as long as they're talking about it. Because, like I said, there's just there's, there's, there's more movies than ever these days that I go, oh, this shit, I'm not watching this again. Or mm-hmm. I just turn it off. I, like, I find myself revisiting old movies constantly because I'm just like, this is a fucking cool film. I love this film. I'm going to watch it. It's like, the, it's like something, you know, it's like uh, Christine or like the Burbs. I'll, I'll probably, I'll probably watch those films at least three times a year, you know, <laughs> if not, if, if not more. Yeah. And, and it's just because, you know, it's cool and you know, it's good. And I would rather watch that than 10 minutes in of a film that I'm like, Oh, this is terrible. And yeah. I'm just, I know I'm not going to enjoy it and it's just turn it off. So in, yeah. So in every aspect, you know, fried Barry is d- designed you know, that the cool thing is, it's like you said, it's like there's elements of horror, there's elements of sci-fi, there's a lot of comedy, there's a lot of dark humor. You know, there's, we've got a lot, a lot of, you know, there's been a lot of uh, people that absolutely love it and speak very highly of the film. And then we've got a small percentage of people that don't like it and don't get it. And the interesting thing is the people that don't get it, they don't see the depth of mm, the film. Right. And then the people that do love it, they get so much out of it. They get, you know, they can see, you know, the dark side of humanity, how crazy society is. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of depth and there's a lot of heart in the, you know, like the heart of the movie is Barry's wife. And so the people that aren't, don't go into it open-minded, they don't see, they don't see all that. They just think, oh, it's one thing after the next and the structure's different. And that's also, again, if, if you make, if you make something different and you do a different structure, there's lots of people that you know when something's different they don't like it or they're afraid of and they're like ah no no we just like the normal the normal structure that you know mm-hmm. that everybody does but that's the thing it's like if you make a film that, like that then what's different about it what's special about it like it, it's good to like shape things up i mean we live in the generation of of remakes yeah you know so like you, you've got to be risky you've got to think out the box you've got to push the limits and and that's the thing it's and it's it's not about you know, some people can watch Fry Barry and say, "Oh, you know, they, you know, they put the dick, the dick in there, the or the the probe in and all that for like shock value." It's not fucking shock value. It's just a dick. So what? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, it's just like you know, it's a part of the human body. So what? It's like how many alien films, you know, abduction films that we watch, and they always, they, they always uh, hint on, they always hint on like, uh, you know, what what they do to the. The people when they get abducted, but yeah. we never see it. I'm like, well, let's fucking let's, let's, let's show it. Time. And it's 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 more of a surprise than a shock factor for me. It's like it's not a shock factor. It's just it is what it is. You yeah. know what I mean? It's just like I didn't put it there to like shock people. It's more like, oh shit, they actually did that. Fuck, I, I, I didn't I didn't expect that. But it's 
it's it's just not for you know it's like when you look at films from like the 70s and the 70s they just had like tits everywhere mm-hmm. and then in the 80s there was a lot of naked chicks and then early 90s a lot of that like stopped and there was like a few dicks flapping around <laughs> on screen <laughs> kevin bacon that, comes to mind yeah 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 so you got like kevin bacon you got bruce willis you got you got uh, these a-lister celebrities getting out of showers or drying themselves with towels completely like, unnecessary it, yeah yeah <laughs> so it's, it's 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 funny how you know that you know there's there's things like that but it's also when it comes to like distribution it, it, you know there's different places in the world that you know that don't like uh drugs or don't like right um um you know different sex uh or the you know the homophobic and and all that so i mean it's 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 always it's always interesting to see different you know when it comes to distribution where you might have to cut something out or you might have to change that and you know there's a lot of filmmakers you know also play it safe because they they're like you know we want to get the maximum sales yeah. out of what we do but again if like if you don't do you know if you don't push the boundaries and you don't push the stuff then you just blend it in to to everything else and i think as a filmmaker especially as a first time feature film director, you know, it's the biggest question to every single, you know, feature film director starting out. It's always like, what is the first film going to be? What, what is the first film I'm going to make? Cause it's the most important choice that I'm ever going to do. And, yeah. and it's funny because where I was at the time and I had all these scripts and I was like, right, which, which one should I do? And I could have made like, a lot of cool films out of the scripts that I had. And then I didn't have a script for Fry Barry. And I thought of the story and I was like, that's it. That's the one I'm going to do. And, and what I realized with that was all the other scripts that I had on my table were, were cool and were interesting, but nothing like special, nothing that, you know, we've kind of seen that yeah. before. And, and and I think that's what interested me with Fry Barry because as soon as I got this story, I was like, I haven't seen a, a heroin addict get abducted by aliens before. And I thought that's that's cool. There's lots to explore and I can be very creative with this idea and be very experimental with it. And, and I think that's what really attracted me to, to do this film and the way I was going to make it. Yeah. And in terms of the way you made it, I mean, you touched on the depth of the movie and the movie certainly does have a lot of depth. It also has just layers. Like for me, the sign of a really good movie is something I want to watch again because there's just too much to absorb the first time around. Like Mandy comes to mind. That movie you got to see two, three, four times to even just like begin to penetrate beneath the surface of that movie. And your movie is really similar. I mean, there's so much going on. Um, I'm just curious about how you approached it in terms of just the, the depth of it, but also just the layering of themes and all like other visual cues. Cause there's, there's a lot there. I mean, structurally, how did you, how did you even begin to make a movie yeah. like this? Well, it, it, how, how it all came about, it was, it was, it was, you know, it was quite crazy. I mean, I think about seven years ago, I thought I would have made my first feature and it's like timing is everything when it's right. It's right. When it happens, it happens. Uh, you know, that's, that's how I always look at things, but you know, and I, I, you know, I've always been very uh, driven and ambitious and I'm surprised I didn't make a film earlier. And I've, you know, always like constantly work hard at it to, you know, push to make a feature film. But it's funny how sometimes 
something bad needs to happen before you before you make that like mm. big step in doing something. And where I was at the time, I uh, I had something wrong with my kidney. I had an operation. Oh, I got sepsis. Nearly died. Broke up with a girlfriend. My cat had cancer. Fuck. Went into depression. Went down this like dark hole. And at the bottom of this dark hole, I was just like, I'm done. Like I'm fucking done. And what I what I realized, or what I thought of when I was at the bottom of this hole, it's just like you know, what is the number one thing that I've always wanted to do? And it was to it was to make a film. So I was just like, right, I'm gonna. I'm going to make a film. That's that's my medicine. That's the thing that that I've always wanted to do and there's no better fucking time than doing it like now. So I rang my producer up, which I only knew for about a month and a half and you know I rang him up and I said, "Listen, I want to make a movie and I want to make it next month." And he was like, oh, he goes, "What? Well, we got a script." And I'm like, "No." <laughs> and he was like, "Why haven't you got a script?" And I was like, "It's a long story. I'll, I'll go into it." And then he's like, have you got any money? And I was like, well, I've got some money. And then if you put some money in, then we can make this thing. And he goes, well, why do you need to shoot it next month? And I was like, because if we don't shoot it next month, it's never going to happen. It's just going to get prolonged. It's just going to get pushed back. And that was it. And, you know, it took, it, I literally thought of the idea for Fry Barry instantly. And I just got this idea in my head and I knew exactly how I was going to do it. And was this Fry Barry as a short? The phase we're talking about right now, or the feature? No, no, no. So this is yeah. This is after the after the short because the short was okay, a standalone. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The short. I, I didn't even plan to, uh, you know, you know, when I shot the short to make it into a, a feature. It was just a standalone. Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought. Short. Okay. So when I got when I got the idea for Fry Barry, I, I literally in three days I wrote a fifty percent scene brief breakdown. And then I rang my producer and I was like, cool, let's do it. And I was like, you either want to do it or you don't. And he's like, cool, I'm in. And a month later, we started shooting. And I wow. knew from that day one, I knew uh, I'm doing it. Like once I've, once you've got the first day in, like you have to fucking finish it. So, oh, yeah. so the the way I, I, you know, I thought this thing was going to work was like, oh, we're going to have to shoot with like, t uh, you know, like so many different DOPs because three days before sh sh th literally three days before filming the first um uh the the oh, sorry what do you call it the first um uh, the first block of filming it was like uh, my dop dropped me like literally like it was literally a day it was like it was literally a day day or two before shooting and we're like oh my god like what the fuck we're we gonna do um, and my producer's like, oh, we're just going to have to postpone it. And I'm like, no, it's a fucking test. I'm not fucking postponing it. We're going to fucking shoot. So then eventually I got another DOP on board and he was going to shoot the first block. So we knew we weren't going to shoot the film every single day until it's finished. We knew we we're going to we're going to have to shoot this film in blocks, yeah. you know, every every now and then. And the good thing with that was, you know, it was like shoot, plan, plan, shoot, plan, plan, shoot. So, you know, we which I think was great because we had enough time to think and prep and organize uh, stuff. And, you know, we shot 28 days over a year and a half and the movie developed as we were going. So mm -hmm. there was a lot of, um, you know, a, a lot of the, of the movie, you know, I, I wanted to, you know, to, to do improv. I wanted, 
you know, I, the brief scene breaks on that I had, it would be like, okay, Barry does this, or he goes to the supermarket, he speaks to the checkout girl, there's something funny there, there's the cheese guy, and so on. So, like most films, everything's stuck in concrete. It's like, this is script, this is how it has to be, and then that's it. And I wanted to be open that if there's any ideas that I think of, I'll be going, oh, cool, let's try this, let's yeah. improv this, let's try this, okay, maybe say this, maybe say that. So there was a lot of uh, planning and a lot of, you know, a lot of time that went into to planning all this stuff. So it was still very much structured, but and also structured with direction of improv. But it was great to, to be in that organic space and to go, let's try this, let's do that. And, and you know, oh, this is not working, or this is working, but let's try this. Mm. And then it'll be like, oh, that's really funny. Let's, let's uh, you know, let's, let's, let's do that. And, and that's the thing. It's just, and that's where some of the, you know, that's where some of the gems, you know, um, that was some of the great gems that we, that we had for, uh, for Fry Barry that just happened. And we're yeah. like, and straight after that take, we were like, that's the one that, that's, <laughs> that's the take we're going to use. Yeah. So it, it was great to, to do it like that, but also going back to this film was only going to work if I did it in a certain way. And what I mean by that is there's so many, you know, that we knew we were going to shoot this in blocks over a period of time, which we didn't know when we were going to finish. But when you're doing something like that, you know, a lot of, that, a lot of the time on independent filmmakers make it a film, it's always, you know, filming over a period of time. And then the lead character cuts his hair so-and-so loses the jacket for wardrobe or this happens and you're like, oh, no, how are we going to do this? It's, it's all going to be fucked up and we're going to have to like shoot another scene to explain that this, this time passed and stuff like that. Right. So straight away, like for me, like Fry Barry is like a road movie without the car, but mm. he's the car right. and going, on this, going on this journey. So, the, so I knew if I did the movie like this, I know that the main continuity of the movie is Barry and mm -hmm. that's it. So that's why there's only two characters that come back into it like later on in the film and that's uh the sex worker and his wife so everybody else it's like we film with you you're done you're out the way next person we film you we've got the scenes with you you're done out the way yeah uh, and that was the thing so you know the main continuity of the movie was barry as long as we had barry's wardrobe and and he didn't cut his hair or anything like that then you're it was good. fine Wow. So you filmed it in like a lot of fits and starts, which I think is for for a lot of filmmakers, it's probably the best option because sometimes you got to shut down for a little while, sometimes schedules. And it's a lot of people feel like it's verboten. In other words, they think you have to do start to finish and film linearly yeah. throughout the course of a designated But that's what I'm saying. It, it, de it depends on the design of the film as well. You know, right. like if it was like any other like normal film, then there's all those things you got to worry about with, the location continuity, actors continuity. There's just so many things. And that's why I was thinking of the the best story, the most creative story, uh, the most visual thing that I could creatively come up with and yeah. and not have to worry about any of that, you know, any of that other stuff. I mean, if you look, to be honest, if you look, if, if you look at uh, Barry, and I, I, I think I've only noticed it once and, the, you know, his goatee, get shorter or his tash gets shorter or something like that. But it's, it's, it's a thing, you know, like you, you don't notice, but that's, right. but that, that's the, the only main continuity was him. So it allowed us to, 
you know, also it was great to shoot over a period of time because then I was like, okay, I need to shoot this now. Uh, I haven't got this. I could look back at the footage and go, okay, great. We've got this. We've got that. And, you know, what are we missing? We yeah. and, and it's like during this time, I was also realized how important, you know, the wife character was and right. she's the heart of the movie. And I was like, shit, we need more scenes with her. And I, I think we wrapped it like twice already. And then I realized, oh, shit, we like, we, we like we need it. We need we need we need to bring her back into it. So, but it was almost like I knew how the film was going to end. It was just leading to that point. Yeah. And you know what are those boxes that we need to tick that we haven't got? And you know it came to a point where I had, like you know quite a few other scenes. There was like a heist, and there was all these other things that we were going to shoot. And then I was like, it would be cool if we had it, but does the movie need it? No, right. it doesn't need it. We need more character development. We need, you know, the heart of the movie. We need the wife back again. So there was all these like little things where we're like, it, it was great to have that time to to think about, okay, let's shoot this next week. And um, we can add this other scene. And I think, you know, we'll add to the, you know, the structure of the movie and the intensity and yeah. And uh, yeah. And I, I think it's, I think the other thing as well, it's like, you know, what do you think of, like a lot of movies, you know, like if I mention, um, uh, let's say Pulp Fiction, uh, you know, when I say Pulp Fiction to you, what, like, what's the first scenes that come to your head? Um, just immediately, as you said, that the close up of Travolta's fingers doing 666 on the uh, briefcase. That's one. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, 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 so you, you'll say that, and then, the, you know, there'll probably be a lot of people. That will say, you know, then dancing in the, you know, right. in the in the diner or the, you know, the suitcase or the, you know, there's all, you know, there's always those scenes that that uh, people like always always remember it in films, and and that was the thing with me. It's just like when I was making this film, I'm like, I need scenes that you will always remember, mm -hmm. that you will always talk about, and uh, and I think it's, it sounds so simple just saying it, but. Uh, I think you'll be surprised how many people actually don't like think like that in, in, in a sense. Obviously, you're going to write a script and you're going to go, yeah, I want to write this cool scene. And, but at the same time, it's just like, what scenes are people going to remember? Yeah. What scenes is it going to stick in your head? Right. And when you're talking about it, because at the same time with Fry Barry, there's a lot happens in Fry Barry. Like people watch Fry Barry and, uh, and then they go like, oh, there's so much to talk about. There's so <laughs> many different things. And for me, that was the other thing. That was the part of you know, the, the trip and, and, you know, Fry Barry's designed to take you on this journey, to take yeah. you on this trip. And it's up to you if you want to go on this trip and be open-minded about, open-minded about it. But it's, like I said, it's like a road movie, but again, you know, the film is also, you know, it, it's men feel disjointed. You, you know, right. you're on a drug trip, you're in his shoes, you know, you're either in his shoes watching it or you're with him. Yeah. And you're going on. And that's, again, with the, a lot of the camera angles, it's either the POV where we're seeing what he's seeing or we're, we're standing with him and we're with him going on this on this journey. And, you know, I, I wanted the audience to, to go through this drug trip that there's one thing after the next and you're just like, fuck. And then, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's like when you watch like, uh, like Uncut Gems, you know, it's, oh, yeah. it's like, it's like when you're watching it and you either with that film, you're like you're shouting at the TV screen, going no, like oh no, why, why, why are you doing this? Why, why yeah. are you doing that? You can clearly not do this, and uh, 
And then with Fry Barry, it's just like this drug trip where it's, it's like somebody tapping you yep. on your shoulder and you go, okay, fucking get off me. It's just like this. <laughs> it's just like this somebody tapping you the whole time and yeah. you're going on this. And then, you know, and then it'll go into the hospital and you, you get a breather or, you know, it comes back to, you know, the, you know, the intermission, which goes back to my childhood watching movies at the cinema where there's, you know, there's that intermission that we yeah. don't have anymore, or even the the certification at the beginning of the movie, which is very, um, it was a very big thing in England that every single VHS uh, uh, video that you rented out from the shop, there was always a guy at the beginning going, this film is rated yeah. 18. <laughs> that means, and it was like a thing where your friends or your family, you would all, you would all, uh, you know, re- when it comes on, you would all, uh, you know, uh, speak along with it because you, <laughs> we just heard it like so many times or you just like fast forward it. That's hilarious. So, yeah. so you had done a bunch of shorts before before the feature. I mean, like amazing amount of shorts. Clearly, you're a pretty relentless creative, it sounds like. Yeah, I would like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was the experience like doing your feature, having done all these shorts? Well, that's the thing. It's just like, so I, I, like a lot of the shorts uh, that I've done is also like uh, short stories within uh, music videos. Right. And, you know, because, you know, people always say, you know, you know, w- you know, what's the difference of shooting a, like a music video than going into a feature and like, you know, did you worry about this and that? And the thing is, I, in South Africa, I've always been known as a, a music video director, but uh you know, I I tell short stories, narrative stories within a music video. Yeah. So I did less uh, music performance because for me, like directing music performance is fucking boring. It's just like right. you know they're doing their thing and you shoot it. So it was always a uh, you know a full on short story or it was a short story cut into you know band performance. So the, the you know the big difference is obviously with the feature is that you know it's obviously it's long form and I've never spent so much time on one story so much time on one character but it was awesome and it was great and it was you know you you get to think i guess more more out the box and and the you know the backstory to this carry this character and what else could happen to this person so it it really you know it just opens your mind more because obviously with you know with commercials or short films or music videos it's just like okay you've got three, four minutes to do this thing and then it's done and it's over. So it was nice to spend so much time on, you know, developing uh, a character or, you know, staying with them. And I think, uh, again, as a, you know, as a filmmaker, you know, when, you know, when when you get to make your first feature or you know you're going to do your first film, obviously, you know, we we all say, oh, you know, it's got to be good, it's got to be good. But it's such an understatement because it's literally got to be, the best thing that you've ever shot ever in your whole career, yeah. every single short film music video, it's got to be better than anything that you've ever done before. Was what are you doing? Right. What's the point? What's the point of doing it? And, and with that in mind, again, it's such a simple thing, but I think, again, I think a lot of people don't think about it. It's like when you watch some films and fuck, people could probably say it to Fry Barry as well, but it's like when you watch some things, and you go, you can do any story in the world. You could do anything you want. Why do you want to? Why do you <laughs> want to do this one? You know, and it, it, it's and that's that's really interesting. That you know, you can you can, you can literally do anything that you want to do. 
and it's it, it's funny how we you know we make our decisions of you know saying okay yeah i feel that this is the right one and you know there's many filmmakers that pick the wrong first film to do that goes nowhere that nobody ever hears about it right. so so you know i was i knew my you know again coming back to you know filmmaking is you know to know your target market know right. who, know who you're making this film for and yes it's like yes i'm making this film for me and i know the audience that would love this film because i am that audience i am also the 12 year old ryan would have fucking loved this movie yeah. you know when i was a kid so it's you know it's all those things you got to think of and what's what's been great about fry barry is you know our target market love this movie but also there's a lot of people that don't like horror that don't like these sort of films and watch fry barry and been like oh that's that's a really fucking good film i really like it and i'm also oh that's interesting that's cool that <laughs> you know they, they 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 actually dig this film because you know like you said you know it's you know it has sci-fi elements it has comedy elements and it has horror elements but it's again it's not it's not you know i wouldn't even call it like a horror film you right because it has it has all those it has the recipe for all the horror elements but it's it's not like a standalone horror you know yeah it, it just has all those genre mashing elements you know with within all of it you know yeah so after you guys had wrapped the picture and it was all ready to go. What was the distribution-like process for you? How did you get a distributor and ultimately end up on Shutter? Yeah, so I mean, so what happened with that was obviously, I think the thing is like, you know, once once you, you know, shoot your feature, because that's the thing, it's like one film is making the film. Right. And then once you've made it, it's like, okay, I've made the film now. What what the hell do we do? You know, what do we do now? And, you know, it's you know you've got to you know you've got to send it into those film festivals and, and what's great about you know sending your you know your your film into film festivals is that you know there's so many different tiers of of uh, of film festivals yeah. and you know I would always say to like filmmakers just like aim at the top and then slowly go down because there's thousands of film festivals around the world and there's a lot of bullshit ones there's yeah. a lot of ones that don't make a difference like you know you see all these people on on facebook that go um we just won at uh so and so festival and right. and then the funny thing is they they mention the festival but they never tag the festival and the reason why they never tag the festival because if you click on it it goes like 60 likes on the page <laughs> or, or you know <laughs> right so it, it's, it's funny like you know it's like when it comes to um like awards and stuff i mean it any award is great recognition, but then it's also, you want to get the right awards. Yeah. You want to get it to the right people. I mean, there's thousands of uh, film festivals where people, you know, it could be in the back of a bar somewhere where there's 20 people watch it and they're like, yeah, you've just won best film, you know? <laughs> it's like, it's, it's just like, it, right. you know, it doesn't matter. So like, it's so important, you know, for filmmakers to, you know, do that research and see which is the you know the best genre uh, film festivals there is around the world and and send it to them and you know once you send it you know once you get one of them in at a big one then another big festival also sees it that it was in some big festival in canada or whatever and they go oh we want your film we, we saw it at fantasia or we saw it at this festival and now we we would love to play it and then it's yeah. just like a domino effect and through that, you know, you've also got buyers that come to festivals and you've all, you know, you have all these, you know, different uh, distribution people that go there 
And I was lucky. I got a I got a sales agent that somebody introduced to me uh, that I met in the states, and yeah. And then we went with them, and then uh, we were still doing the festival run. We were getting more and more festivals, uh, more and more other festivals were asking us to to play the festivals, wow. and um, and then with the sales agent, um, and also with even, even in through the festivals, I got tons of emails for distributors and people. Uh, you know that that wanted to uh, distribute the movie, but that's the other thing. There's, you know, you'll get people that just work with IMDb or, or, or from IMDb Pro just contact contacting you. But there's a lot of sharks out there that will just fuck you over oh, yeah. completely. And then a lot of filmmakers will get excited and go, "Oh, these people approach me, and yeah, we can sell the film." And then they just get fucked over completely. You know, by uh, by the sales agents and uh, distributors and stuff like that. So yes, I think I was lucky that you know, the people that I got and the product that I got and knowing the right market and eventually uh, should have got hold of it. And, and that was it. And, uh, and then we had to keep quiet about it for so long when I should have got hold of it. And we were just like waiting and waiting and waiting for it to, uh, you know, eventually hit should have. But uh, I think the Joe Bob thing also made it next level as oh, well. Yeah. Just the amount of people that watched it. See, I, I knew about Joe Bob. Obviously we, we don't really, we don't, we don't, get a lot of shit in south africa but uh i you know i knew about joe bob and then but i also didn't realize how big it was right. and and that's why when it screened um you know the run-up to the um to the premiere you know it just started getting crazier and crazier on twitter and more people talking about it and then i think it was about four in the morning and the show hadn't started yet and i was just like I was just trying to keep up with like Twitter and then I was just like, all right, I'm going to have to go to bed. And then I think it was, it must've been like four in the morning and I was just, I said, right, I'm going to bed. And then I think the Joe Bob thing just started and then it went fucking nuts. It just went completely nuts. And I was like, ah, oh, shit, can't go to bed now. I'm going to have to like stay up and, and, you know, watch this uh, whole thing, you know? Uh, and yeah, it was just, it was just crazy how, how the, like Twitter just went nuts. And then I found out the next day it was the third most trending thing on Twitter Whoa. in the whole of America. Whoa. Uh, yeah. So that was even, even to know that, that was just like, what really? And I was like, <laughs> fucking hell, no wonder I couldn't keep it. Cause I, I was trying to chat to people, but the feed was just going and I was like losing, lo yeah. losing the thing the whole time. So, so cool. It was, yeah. It was, it was, it was nuts. I could, I couldn't keep up with it. And then in the end I went to bed at like, I think it was like 10, 30, 11 a.m. I was like, right, well, I definitely have to go to bed now. <laughs> and, uh, and then I think I slept for two hours, got up again. And and it was impossible to, to go back through the feed because yeah. it just went on and on and it was just endless. So That's it was so like, cool. So I realized, that, you know, the power of of that really, really helped, helped push, it, push it out there a lot. Yeah. And uh, so I'm very grateful and very lucky that, you know, that we had that opportunity. Super cool. So cool, man. What is what is next for you? Yeah, so in August, which is not that far away now, uh, we're meant to be shooting uh, a new film, um, right. which I can't say too much about. Uh, it is horror. Uh, it does have a lot of comedy in it as well. Uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'm just waiting for the 100% like, go-ahead. Yeah. But uh, it's nice to, to know so soon that i'm going to be shooting another film which is awesome which that's is, super cool which is great and um so i'm lo really looking forward to that and besides that 
Uh, it's been a four and a half year project, starting with Fry Barry the Short. I've been making all these experimental films, and I think I'm on the seventh mm-hmm. uh, one now. So I've just got to, uh, I've got two in post that I've got to finish, and then I'm going to start uh, throwing those to uh, the film festivals as well. Very cool. Well, cool, man. I'll be anxiously awaiting what you do next. Ryan, it was a real pleasure talking to you, man. Thank you again. Any parting wisdom for those aspiring filmmakers out there? Yeah, I think Nike got it right, man. Just do it. Like, yeah. you can't... You can't I, I got to that point where you just, like, you know, you, I'm not, not that I'm sitting and waiting, I'm working hard, but it takes just that little bit of extra just to take that first step. And like what I did, it doesn't mean you got to shoot it 28 days straight. You can, if you get the right story and the right people together, you can do it. Like you just got to make, you just got to make that move and do it. And there's nothing better. Once you've done day one, you know that you're going to, you know, you're going to do the rest of it. And uh, for me, it, it took that really bad thing to happen to me to, to, uh, you know, in a weird, crazy way. And uh, even though it was like the worst time of my life when I went through that depression and all those things, but I'm grateful for it because I had to go through that to be able to make my film. Yeah. And if, I, I think if I didn't go through that, probably wouldn't have made the film. So yeah. it's, it's crazy how uh, things happen and, and what makes you push yourself more. And uh, I'm fucking grateful that it happened to me, even though it was horrible. <laughs> I'm grateful. Yeah. That's amazing, man. Well, thank you again. This was a real joy. Uh, Absolute pleasure, man. Thank you so much for having me. All right. As always, here are some key takeaways from this conversation with Ryan Kruger. Number one, you don't have to film in a straight line. Instead of production taking place through a designated timeline, Fried Berry was filmed on and off over the course of a few years. Sometimes this is what you have to do for budgetary and scheduling purposes, and there's nothing wrong with that. Even if you don't have your movie fully funded, start filming it. Investors are way more likely to jump on board once the train has left the station and they see that you're making tangible progress. See my conversation with William Lustig for more on this topic. If your production needs to start and stop, so be it. But make sure your cast and crew are aware of this and down for the ride, if only for continuity purposes. The other benefit of filming in stops and starts is it allows you as the director to evaluate your movie more deeply than you could have just by reviewing dailies at the end of a long shoot. Instead, as was the case with Ryan, he was able to sit with what he'd filmed for months at a time and ruminate over it so he could make adjustments as he moved forward. Number two, become a master marketer. Some filmmakers think that a movie's success will be based on its quality and merit. While both of these things are critically important, your movie won't have an impact if people don't see it. Therefore, you need to have a marketing plan, and you need to learn to promote the shit out of your films. This was something that Ryan was naturally very good at from the beginning. When promoting Fried Berry, he didn't do so through traditional marketing channels like media, interviews, etc. Instead, Ryan did off-the-wall things like making Fried Berry condoms and unleashed a relentless series of memes that featured the title characters so that he could build recognition of his character's face all over the internet. 
Traditional marketing channels for films are crowded, and they often leave you fighting for scraps of attention. Even if you can get your indie movie mentioned on deadline, it'll soon be buried with news of higher-budgeted projects and lost in obscurity. Instead, you need to come up with intelligent, creative, and disruptive marketing ideas that people will actually talk about. Listen to my interview with Shep Gordon for more on this, or just watch his incredible documentary, Supermensch. Number three, make polarizing work. Love it or hate it, fried berry cannot be ignored. It's so over the top and such a specific hyper-individual vision that only Ryan could have made. These kinds of movies can be difficult to get approved, but they're a surefire way to get people oriented with your sensibility as a director. See Greasy Strangler for more on this. As Quentin Tarantino said, and I'm definitely paraphrasing here, you should only make the kinds of movies that you were born to make. Movies that only you would be capable of making instead of things that could be easily done by someone else. Anyway, guys, thank you as always for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, why not share it with your friends and family on social media? Don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at I'm Nick Taylor. That's I am Nick Taylor and on Twitter at the same handle. Thanks again for listening to the Nick Taylor Horror Show. Hey guys, one last thing before you head out. If you haven't already, don't forget to check out my 10 by 10 horror watch list. How would you like a list of the 10 favorite horror movies of 10 of your favorite horror directors? Well, I just hooked your ass up. The 10 by 10 horror watch list features a breakdown of the 10 favorite horror movies from 10 renowned horror directors, including Ari Aster, James Gunn, Quentin Tarantino, Jordan Peele, Martin Scorsese, and many, many more, all in an easy to reference PDF. You can download this guide for free as my gift to my dear listeners at nicktaylor.com slash horror guide. That's nicktaylor.com slash horror guide. Check it out and let me know what you think.